How's everybody doing today? Are we doing good? Are we doing good? Are we loving Jesus today? Come on, man. Come on. It, you know, it's one thing to love Jesus when everything's going great. It's another thing to love Jesus when it seems like the world's taking a left turn on you. And um, you know what I'm saying? And so we all walk through these moments. And look, so today, whether you feel like you're on the mountaintop or the world's taking a left turn on you, the fact that you're loving Jesus, man, come on. That, that's our hope. Our hope is in him and him alone. Amen? Hey, look, I don't know about you, but at all of our campuses, I want to say a big hello. And uh, at all of our campuses, we just heard a very compelling testimony about Kingdom Builders, right? I mean, man, I don't know about you, but if, if uh, that doesn't challenge you, man alive, I'm challenged by that. I'm standing back in the green room going, man, I, I, I can't let a college student now give me, right? <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's just not, that's just not happening. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that testimony. It's going to bless us all. Hey, look, we are in a Kingdom Builder vision casting kind of a month right now, although we're not talking about it in our sermons uh, we are making sure that we're highlighting it because, look, for the rest of this year, we're wanting every single, every single like, family unit uh, to be on the same page uh, with God's heart. We, we want to we make sure that the world hears the good news of Jesus, and we want to empower our missionaries and our missions partners in Nebraska and around the world to be effective at that, right? Because we live in some dark times. There's, this world's hurting in a bad way. And through Kingdom Builders, we can be part of the solution to help people find Jesus and see their lives change. So if you didn't watch my Vision Casting Sunday sermon, if you weren't here and you haven't watched it online, please go to MyNewLifeChurch.com. And it's the first sermon in February. Go back and take a listen to that, right? I, want, I really want you to ca capture the heart of where we're going. But there's more to Kingdom Builders, okay? Uh, part of Kingdom Builders is us giving generously, but it's also us getting the opportunity to go generously. You, you know, I cast a vision for the El Salvador trip. Okay, I did that a couple of weeks ago. That trip filled up week one. Boom, filled up. All right, there's no more room on it. So there's another trip that's coming up. One of our go trips, our missions trips, that is a, it's really a discipleship kind of a trip. You go, God's going to change you. You think you're going to go and be God's gift to someone else, but I'm telling you, you're going to go and God's going to change you. The next opportunity I want to introduce to you, though, is India. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a go trip coming up for India. It's July 11th through the 20th. I can only take 13 people. We already have someone who has signed up. So that means there's only 12 slots left. You're going to want to right now take your phone out, snap that QR code that's on the screens, all right, right now. We're going to leave it up there for a few minutes. Even if you're not interested right now, snap that, okay? If you miss this moment, you can go to mynewlifechurch.com and you can go to our Kingdom Builder page and you can get more information where you can actually sign up. We're only taking now 12 more people to India where we're going to be working with children. We're going to be working with um, uh, women that are in a kind of a, uh, like a rescued kind of a, um, a ministry and then they're developing them with life skills, um, we've got schools there, so if you're a teacher or you're in education, this is the perfect opportunity to go, and you can help pour into the life of other teachers um, that are a part of uh, private schools. We're going to be going out into villages and working with pastors and smaller churches, churches that are probably uh, the size of your car, your, your two-car garage. If you have a three-car garage, then you could be a mega church pastor, okay? 
Um, and so we're going to be working with them, ministering to them, praying with them, encouraging them. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's less about what you're going to do, and it's more about what God's going to do to you. Uh, so I want to see 12 people go from all of our campuses. And if you don't get signed up uh, probably this week or next week, uh, that opportunity is going to be gone. It's going to be approximately $2,500 is the estimated cost total. Okay, so uh, snap that QR code. And uh, let's get you guys signed up and let's get going. So because Kingdom Builders is, and, and again, it fits in with our, our theme for our series right now, Overflow. Kingdom Builders is like generosity overflowing out of our church, right, into the hearts of others. Um, and by the way, you were designed by God to overflow his love in many ways. So would you just turn to somebody that you really care about sitting next to you or across the aisle from you, and would you just look them in the eye, look deeply into their eye, all right? Just look deeply into their eyes. Maybe you love this person, you care about this person. Look deeply into their eyes and tell them you were designed to overflow by God, all right? Just tell them that. You were designed to overflow by God. All right, and if you got no one to look at, just hold your phone up and turn the camera around on yourself. Right? And just be like, you were designed to speak to yourself. You were designed to overflow by God. This whole series is, being, is really coming out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible uh, with you today, that's where we're going to be at. Okay? If you've got your smartphone device, uh, you can go to Uversion and you can actually uh, get the, the sermon notes that are, that are right there. But Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, I'm going to be primarily reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, so Pastor Chris kicked it off last week, verses 1 through 3. We're going to be looking today at Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. So let me jump into it. Uh, we're empowered by God to overflow with all things that are good, all things that are righteous, right? All things that are holy. You were designed by God to overflow the goodness of God into this dark, broken, and hurting world. Just think of it. God created everything. God created the things you can see, and God created the things that you can't see. God created the things that are on this earth. God created the things that are in the heavens. God created the big things, right? Big things in heaven, in the heavens. He created big things, right? But he also created small micro things. And now this God who created all these massive things, this God now lives in you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you surrendered your life to him, the power of the Holy Spirit has come to dwell within your heart. This almighty, all-massive God who creates really big things has come to live within your heart, and people sometimes have a really hard time fathoming that. They have a hard time figuring it out. They have a hard time kind of wrapping their head around the fact that this all-powerful, almighty God that creates things many times bigger than you, that would make you and me look like a gnat on planet Earth, says that he wants to live in you. It's almost like trying to think of like an elephant fitting inside of your car. Can you think of that for a second? Think of your car and a big African elephant trying to fit where all the passengers ride. I'm not talking about some of you guys like, well, I've got a big enough truck. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like an elephant gets in your truck and your truck's going down, right? 
your truck is looking so squatty, you're going to go want to spend more than the $70,000 you spent on it. Okay, so an elephant climbs into the cabin of your car. Can you imagine that? I mean, already you're thinking, he's going to break it, right? It's impossible. But let's just say we could fit the elephant, we could shove that elephant into your car. Let me just say this to you. Here's what it's going to look like going down the road. All the windows are going to be down. Elephant is going to be hanging out everywhere. (laughs) Elephant, not the snout of elephant, Not just nose of elephant, we're talking everything. Limbs, buttocks, the whole thing. Everything's hanging out, right? You see what I'm saying? This is what it looks like, though, for the believer, for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You were designed for the Holy Spirit to fill you, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is so large. He's so large that he's designed to flow out of you. He's designed to come out of your heart. He's designed to flow out of your mouth. He's designed to flow out of your actions, out of your love, out of your kindness, out of your gentleness. He is massive. We are little. We were designed for the almighty, powerful God to live in us, but to flow out of us, to overflow our lives. All right? Are you with me so far? So that's how you were designed. And you were designed not to be able to contain this all-powerful, mighty God. God designed you to overflow with his image, with his character, even with his nature. So that means that you and me now on this earth, through the Holy Spirit, become the representatives of God. That's why overflowing with God is so important. So we're going to continue to look at Galatians chapter 6 as we kind of look at this idea of what does it look like to overflow with the goodness of God. And it's going to give us some really good practical instruction today that's going to really meet every single one of you right where you live today. So would you look at Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6 verses 4 through 7. And man, I was hoping I'd get up here and all this light would allow me to see that more clearly. But you know, these eyes are getting a little old. Does this make me look smarter? Okay, all right, okay, good. I just wanna rock the glasses, you know what I'm saying? Just wanna rock those things. All right, I had to to wipe the dust off of them, by the way. All right, just wanted to make sure we know. Galatians chapter six, verse four, let's stop messing around. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Right? For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. All right. We'll talk more about that. You'll, you'll understand it better. Don't be misled. Right? You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. That's the word today. That's what we want to focus in on. That passage right there. When I look at that passage, um, not because I'm preaching a sermon, but because that's what the passage demands, I see three critical like, components to this passage. There's three moving segments to this passage. And I want to help really break that down because if we can break this down, then we can better overflow with the goodness of God. The, the first part of this passage is really a warning. It's a warning. And it's saying this, that there are things... That if, if you don't watch out, they're going to clog your life up. If, if you don't watch out, they're going to they're hinder you from overflowing. Watch out 
there's a warning. And here's, here's how the warning gets brought out to us. It's in verse 4. It's right at the very beginning. And God says through his word, he says this, pay careful attention, watch this, emphasis, to your own work. If you still got your Bible out, you're using your phone or your analog Bible, you, you see how it says that. Pay careful attention to your own work. Notice how it doesn't say pay careful attention to your coworkers' work. That's what we would like it to say because that would be a lot easier. It's a lot harder when we have to pay attention to our own work. See what I'm saying? So there is an approach here to our, the way we work. There is this mindset, this attitude that's being developed here that the way that you go and approach your work is either going to allow you to overflow with the goodness of God or it's going to hinder you. Now, here's the good thing about this particular passage. Every single person that's listening to my voice right now has a job to do. Now, maybe you might be retired and you're like, I don't get a paycheck from a company anymore, but you still have work to do. Okay? You might go, well, look, I stay, I stay at home with the kids. Good. That's an important job. Okay? So everybody has work to do. That means that this passage is going to relate to you. So remember, God says this, pay careful attention. That means focus on it. Give it your maximum. Like give it, give it both of your eyes. Give it all of your mind. Give it all your soul. Give it all your strength. Pay careful attention to your own work. And so what's he really trying to tell us here? He's trying to say to us, look, if you pay careful attention to your own work, here's what you're going to start noticing, that your work is worship to me. And let me just tell you this, guys, that, you know, the way to fulfill this scripture is to see your work as worship, to see what God has given your hands to do as a gift from God to be someone that does something. You're not just doing it for your employer, you're doing it for him. And when we see our work as worship, I'm going to tell you this, you're going to be paying more attention to it because it's going to matter more to you. I hope that when you come in to one of our campuses to worship, that when it's time to do singing worship, because we're worshiping even right now, but when it comes time to do the singing portion of our worship, I hope you're not one of those people that's standing there looking at everyone else to see how they worship. Because that's weird, number one. All right? Well, look, look at that person over there leaning over to your spouse. That person, even, I've never seen that person raise their hands. They're not a worshiper. While you're the one talking about them. That person doesn't even sing, right? While you're the person talking about them. Like, that would just be weird. You're not going to do that. I hope you don't do that. And if you are doing it, like, stop, okay? Like, it's our time to worship God. Right? It's our time to give him our attention. And when we pay careful attention to our work, guess where our eyes are at? Our eyes are on what we do. And so I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier to do that when you see your work as worship to God. I'm going to also say this to you. It's a lot easier to do that when you recognize that everything that you, you're given, the grace to produce, comes from God. That everything that you're given the grace to produce, that means that you, you didn't figure it out on your own. It's the grace of God working through you that causes you to be productive. That once, when you start to recognize that, then you start to praise God for what you're able to do, for what your mind creates, right? For right now, maybe your job is to be in college and it's to be on a sports team and it's to like shoot, shoot a basketball, right? Or, or it's to swing and, you know, hit a softball or whatever it is. Like when, when you see what you're to do and you see like the productiveness of that as a gift from God, it's going to give you the ability to pay closer attention attention to it in a way that says, God, thank you for what you have done. 
I would also say this, that God's calling you to excel with the gifts and abilities that he's given you. He's not just asking you to be marginal with them. He's calling you to excel with them. And that's one of the reasons why God in his word is saying this. Pay careful attention to your own work. In the end, that's where you're going to be most satisfied. You'll never be most satisfied when you're criticizing other people. And that's where the warning comes in. See, I love this because there's this like just juxtaposition here that of pay close attention to it. Well, what happens if you don't? Well, here's what happens when you don't pay close attention. Then you start sticking your nose in everyone else's business. And I don't know if you work with anybody that sticks their nose in everyone else's business, but that's not a fun person to work with. Right? When you're sticking your nose in everyone else's business, you can't pay attention to your own. That's a dangerous place to be. And sometimes we, we feel like it's driven really out of insecurity. We feel powerful when we feel like we got the nitty-gritty on everyone else. But I'm going to tell you right now, gossip is not power. It's just a noose around your neck. That's what it ends up being. So there's no way you can ever pay close attention when all you're doing is sticking your nose in everyone else's business. You'll never overflow with the goodness of God when you're sticking your nose in people's businesses. You'll never overflow with the goodness of God when you're the, when you're the lazy person with idle hands either. God's not calling us to do that. You can't do both. Pay close attention you know, to your work as if it is worship to God and be the laziest person with idle hands at your workplace. You can't be both. Right? A lazy person is the person who's always trying to stretch the break a little bit longer. You know that person? A lazy person is the person who knows where the minimum bar is and just, it, it just tries to get over the minimum bar so they don't get rid up. Right, so they don't get in trouble, so they don't get you know uh, fined or something of that nature. Like they're just looking for the minimums, and they go over the minimums. They never show up early. They never stick around late. God's not asking for believers, followers of Him, to be those people because you'll never overflow with the goodness of God if your goal in life is to be the laziest person and with the person with the idle hands. And I hear someone right now in their mind, they're, they're challenging me right now. And if we were at the coffee shop, you would have interrupted me. And you would have said, yeah, but Jeff, like, you don't know the guys I work with. They're just a bunch of lazy people. And if you ask me to not be the lazy one, I'm going to be the one doing all the work. Well, then be the person that's doing all the work. Stop lowering yourself to the standard of every other lazy individual and start raising yourself to the standard that God has for the Christ-centered follower. Are you following me on that one? Like, that's the attitude that we should have. Why? Because laziness and idle hands are only going to get you in trouble and lead you to sin. You're not going to overflow. So when you engage yourself, now God has the ability to start overflowing the goodness of God through your life. But watch this, though. You can never overflow as well if you're always wishing for the next position or a new place of work. If you're always going into work complaining about where you work, if you're always going into work with a bad attitude, if you're always going into work with this idea like, I wish I was someplace else. I wish I was the boss. Like, I deserve to be the boss. I can't believe that manager. That manager doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I need to be the manager. If all your attitude and attention and energy is focused on, I want to get out of here and I want to get to a different position, I'm just going to tell you this right now. You'll never be paying close attention, careful attention to the work that God's given you to do that in the end brings satisfaction. You'll only be paying attention to the thing you want next, which means that you can never fully engage yourself with what you've been given. So instead of always thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side of the fence, pay close attention to what you do. Pay careful attention and make where you are the best. 
That's where God's asked us to do. That's what it looks like to pay careful attention to what we are given to do so that we can overflow. All these other things are just going to clog you up. I was thinking back to my youth pastor days. And I mean, look, I'm not trying to be narcissistic here. Uh, but I just, when I look back, I look at my youth ministry days, and I had a lot of joy in those days. And I felt like the youth ministries were dynamic, and there was life change that was being produced from that. I just ate dinner at, uh, at a couple's house last night, and at the end of the dinner, after a wonderful night, they reminded me, I was 17 years old when I first got introduced to your youth ministry. And I was like, this night's been really good up till now. <laughs> now I feel really old, Right? I was just messing around. It, was, it brought tears to my eyes, actually. It, it humbled me, right, to see who they are today and that I got a chance just to play a small, guys, a small percentage, like maybe less than 1%. God does all the rest, right? I get it, but I'm going to look back on those days and say to you that I believe that those days were dynamic and I love them. Why? Because I never saw myself ever doing anything different than being a youth pastor for the rest of my life. I never saw it as a stepping stone. Like, I'm a youth pastor now, but one day I'm gonna be a real pastor. Like, you know, some nice, caring, older gentleman in Alaska told me one day. Right? Like, so when you give yourself to where you are, that's when I believe God can now start opening up other opportunities for you. That's when true blessing can happen. That's when all of a sudden the road of clarity comes. But you got to first give yourself to it. So if you're caught in any of these traps, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's impossible to overflow with the love of Jesus when you're sabotaging yourself. And that's exactly what many of us are doing. We're sabotaging ourselves. We're not paying careful attention to the work God has given us so practical. So therefore, we're not overflowing with the love of God. It's like we're trying to water all the plants in our house with a bucket that has holes in it. You run to the sink, you fill it up, and by the time you get to the first plant, half of the water is already gone. And you run back to the sink, you fill it up, and then you run to the next plant. By the time you get there, half of the water is already gone. And guys, this is what's happening with our attitude when our attitude towards work is not, is not right. It's not a, in a godly place. So here's some quick action steps. Start giving thanks to God for the job he's given you instead of always being critic, criticizing it. On your drive home from work and on your drive to work, Start thanking God for it. Start seeing your work like it's worship to God. When you get frustrated in the middle of the day, just, just offer up to God that quiet prayer. Lord, what I'm getting ready to do right now, building this part and making this sale, right, and checking this person out and getting ready to shoot this next basket, like whatever it is, God, this is worship to you. Thank you for giving me the ability to do this and thank you for giving me this job right and then like bring your best bring your best attitude when you show up if your attitude isn't right man get your attitude checked out right like if you're going to take a break in the middle of the day you know it needs to be an extra break let it be built around getting your attitude right right then you'll be rewarded with what that scripture actually said then you'll experience the satisfaction of a job well done Okay, so that's the first part. There's a warning. The second part, if you want to be a person that overflows with the goodness of God, though, is humility. 
right? Humility is the answer for maintaining a heart that can actually overflow. That's humility. It, it maintains that heart. It keeps it pumping and flowing in a, positive, in a great way so that you can actually overflow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 says this, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now look, this scripture is less about the authority of the teacher, so I can preach this with great clarity. It's less about me, and it's more about you right now. It's more about your heart. It's like when, when we honor, when we have gratitude, we have gratefulness and thankfulness, these are the qualities of a person that's overflowing. If you're sitting there right now and you're thankful for the teaching of God's word, it's, a, it's like an attribute of like there's overflow in your heart. If you're thankful for it, right? If you're here and you're like, man, I, this, I honor, I just honor those who teach God's word. There's an, there's an attitude, there's an overflow in our heart. And I think it's very interesting that God uses this student teacher kind of relationship to drive home a humble heart. Why? Because we're very prideful people and we don't like to be told what to do. Isn't that interesting? He uses this, like, honor those who teach God's word. It's more for you than it is even for me. But I'll be very transparent with you and let you know, this, this, like, this kind of intimidates me. There's an intimidation factor here. Like, Jeff, you better do your very best to study my word so that when you present my word, it's presented with as much clarity as humanly possible. Why? Because I want you to overflow. I think it's interesting that God uses that student-teacher relationship. We're prideful. We don't like to be told what to do. But I'm telling you, there is a blessing that will cause your life to overflow with the goodness of God. When you start to see the value, though, of being in a scenario like we are right now, where there's the teaching of God's word, and your heart is thankful for it, and your heart is, is hungry for it. And it says in that passage to do this for those people, to share good things with them. It's like, it's not, just a, it's not just about hearing, it's also about doing. I love that about this passage. That overflow isn't just the hearing part, but it's also the doing part. That there's something that we have to engage, right? And in this, in this passage, when it says share all good things, let me, let, me give you, let me break that down. Like What would it look like to share all good things with those who teach God's word? What would that look like? I'll just say this to you. It would look like this, praying for them. That's a part of sharing good things, right? Here's, here's something else. It would look like this. Encourage those who teach God's word. Encourage them and protect them. Protect them. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, man, the enemy is out and he's, he's hunting down those who teach God's word, right? Serve in ministry alongside of them. That's a way of sharing good things. Show kindness to those who teach God's word. I'm just telling you that, look, when we behave this way, even tithing is a part of sharing, right, good things, right? Because part of the tithe pays the salary of the pastor. So all of those are ways to share good things. I'm just going to tell you this, that the sharing of good things, if you could check off any of those things I just listed off, then I'm going to tell you this, the sharing of good things is an example of overflowing with the goodness of God. So now you can be encouraged, because I hope that all of you could have found at least one of those things where you're like, yep, that's me. And if that's you, then just put a smile on your face. Because that's part of the evidence of you overflowing with the goodness of God. That's a good thing, right? It's awesome. I love it. I love it. So I hope you're encouraged by that. 
All right? I'm intimidated by it. You're encouraged by it. It's a beautiful relationship. All right? It's beautiful. The third part of this passage, though, is really the word investment. Investment. How many guys, how many guys like to like, look at your, maybe your retirement account or whatever and see that it grew from the last quarter? Yep, that's a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing. It's kind of encouraging, right? Well, let me just say this to you. If you never put any money in your retirement account and you expected to see a return at the end of the quarter, <laughs> that's ludicrous, right? So there has to be an investment to get a return. And that's really where this, this whole passage is culminating um, in, this, in this aspect of Scripture. Uh, this is where this overall, this whole thing really kind of comes together, that you can't overflow unless there's first an investment, unless there's first uh, an, an input, right? And you're going to get out what you put in. There's an old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Faith in, faith out. Love in, what do you get? Love out. And that's what you find in verse 7. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what? What you plant. You're going to harvest what you plant. You will always harvest. You will always overflow what you plant, what you invest. It's like a sow and reap kind of relationship. And there's a promise here that if we're investing into the things of the Spirit, then the Spirit of God will, what? Overflow. However, if you're investing in the things of the sinful nature, then what's going to overflow? The sinful nature. It's kind of like this. It'd be ludicrous for you to ever think that you planted a peach tree and that you would ever get an apple off that peach tree. You'd be the craziest person on the block if you kept telling people, I planted a peach tree, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to produce an apple. I got faith it's going to produce an apple. Right? It's never going to produce an apple unless you, got, unless you think you planted a peach tree and you planted an apple tree. Like that's the way it's going to go down. You could sit there, get your lawn chair, get your, you get your iced tea or get your lemonade, and you could sit there for the rest of your day, all right, until your beard grew long, all right? And we always dog men for their beards growing long, ladies, until your hair on your legs grew long. And it can go both ways, right? You can sit there for the rest of your life until you look like Sasquatch. It's not going to produce an apple that would be ludicrous. It would be nutty. And in our lives, you, you can't overflow with the goodness of God unless there's an investment Right? Unless there is what? An investment of what? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Unless we're allowing the Holy Spirit to do his marvelous work in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit is doing his incredible work in our lives, here's the fruit of it. It's not a sinful nature. It is, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Found in Galatians chapter 5, it says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy. Would you just read those with me? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and So when the inside of you is being cleaned and cleansed by the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's being produced in you, then you naturally overflow with the goodness of God because you're putting the right thing in so you're getting the right thing out. 
Jesus even said it this way when he was correcting those who thought they had it all figured out. In Matthew chapter 23, it says, For you, you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. We're a human being here in an American culture that cares a lot about what the outside looks like. Jesus cares what the inside looks like. Could you imagine coming over to my house and me putting a glass out before you, you know, for us to share a meal together, and I only cleaned the outside of it? And you looked inside of it, and it was stained with milk, and it had stains of soda, and it had maybe some ketchup droppings in there. And, and I was like, hey, would you like something to drink? What are you going to say to me? I, I, I'll pass. I'll pass. And then you're going to wonder what the plate looks like and what the fork looks like and what the spoon's like. Because if I only clean the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup had never been cleaned for the entire life of the cup, you wouldn't want to drink out of it. And guys, right now in this world, there's a whole world full of people who don't want Christianity because they've only seen us try to clean the outside and we've been spewing out what's been on the inside and they don't like it. And if we want to be the greatest impact in this world for the, for the mission of Jesus Christ, then we got to care a little bit less about the outside and care a little bit more about the inside because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And when the power of the Holy Spirit has his work on the inside of us, it not only cleans the inside of us, but the outside becomes clean too. We overflow. So can I just say this as your pastor of a, of a church that, you know, is a Pentecostal church? God cares less about the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. He cares more about the Holy Spirit working in you. Some of you, you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working. You want to see miracles. You want to see words of wisdom. You want to hear tongues and interpretation. And I'm telling you right now, we had enough of that. What we need now is we need the Holy Spirit to purify the inside of us so that when the power of the Holy Spirit works out of us, it is pure, it is righteous, it is holy, and it changes this world for the mission of Jesus Christ. That is what God has called us to do. So, so here we got. Your life, it might be like that bucket that was trying to water the plants. And today, what's our mission? Plug the holes. You plug the holes through repentance. We've drilled them there with our sin nature. Plug the holes, right, so that the Holy Spirit who has worked within you can overflow out of you with all the goodness of God. Humble your heart before God and seek the Holy Spirit. Seek him and truly allow him to control your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I'm just going to tell you right now, I told some other people this. Uh, this was back um, right at the very beginning of the year. And they said, Jeff, what, what's your real goal for this year? And, and I just quickly said it because I felt like the Lord was saying it to me when I got away for our sermon retreat, um, you know, writing the sermons for this year. I felt like the Lord said to me, uh, Jeff, here's what I want to do in your life. I, I want you to see more of my fruit evident on the outside of you. And guys, that's what I want to see. And yesterday in my own living room, I was having a little blow-up moment. You guys don't have those. I know that. You guys are perfect. I was having one of these little, like, come unglued moments where I was trying to get something done, and I was trying to be a blessing, and it wasn't working, and this website kept crashing on me, and I was coming unglued, man. I, I mean, my, my laptop was going to become like a piece of art 
stuck into the drywall of my house, if you understand what I'm saying to you. And right at that very moment, I was very thankful that the whisper of the Holy Spirit said, the fruit of the Spirit, Jeff. The fruit of the Spirit. And at that moment, it's, it, I, I instantly was like, yeah, that's right. <sighs> Dialed it back down. Dialed it back down. Jeff Baker is a man right now who stands before you who continues to pray for the revival of God across this nation. But I'm just one man who cares right now way more that the Holy Spirit is at work in me. And that he produces the fruit of the Spirit through me. And that you would be a congregation that experiences the blessing of the fruit of the Spirit, the overflow. Would you just go on that journey with me? Would you just go on a journey to just say, I want more of the Holy Spirit at work in me so that people can experience the fruit of him through me in my overflow. Right? So let's watch out for the warnings. Let's humble our heart. And let's make an investment this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to come truly fill us and cleanse us from the inside so that the outside is clean also. Why don't you stand with me? And let's pray. Lord, today, as we wrap up this sermon, we're just reminded that the teaching of your word is something we're supposed to honor. It is something that we're supposed to have gratitude for and thankfulness for. And Lord, we do. We honor you, the true teacher of the word, the true speaker of the word, the one who wrote it from your very heart that would give us guidance, and the one who continues to preach it to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, may we, may we make an investment today by allowing your Holy Spirit to, to do a deep work in us so that the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of us would be what we desire more than anything, so we would overflow with your goodness. I pray that for this congregation. I pray that we would find joy in that. I pray that we would find purpose in that mission. I, I just pray that we would find success in that mission. Lord, thank you for your word that gives warning. Thank you for your word that gives instruction. And thank you for your word that challenges us to be open to every good and perfect thing you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen.